Welcome to the Ice Lab Podcast. We are your hosts, Michael Marinero and Trent Michaud. We are going to take you deep into our labs as well as many different high-performance professionals we've connected with on our journey as we strive for excellence. Welcome to another episode of the Ice Lab Podcast. Uh, Mr. Marinero, this is episode 23, right? 23. We made it all the way to 23 episodes. I can't believe it. We're one away from 24. How many months is that? Quick math, Mike. Uh, about six months-ish. Six months. Yep. That's six months. Long time. Crazy. We started this in the summer and it's now snowing outside. We came back home and there was snow on the ground when I was driving around outside today. It's crazy. Almost Christmas already. We said it. And once the Grand Prix start rolling and the competitions uh, start coming up, it goes fast and Christmas is going to be here before we know it. And we are getting close already. Yeah, just like that. My Grand Prix season is already done. Skate America and Japan down. Um, last week, it was awesome to be back in Japan. We had a completely full crowd. It was a well-organized event and a great crowd um very loud very cheering uh no not no cheering allowed only clapping allowed <laughs> yeah you're only allowed to clap not allowed to use your voice at all so as mike you might know that is very hard for me when uh, our friends are out on the ice i'm very quite vocal but uh, i just had to clap a little bit louder so um yeah grand prix are done so back to the grind for our next event and uh some good things and some not so great things but we're ready to uh uh, some good motivation things we worked on and improved and we still got a lot of work to do for before our next one but you still have russia left yes a couple of days out putting the final touches on all of the runs uh getting ready to put on a big performance tomorrow for our uh, guest who we actually have on today hopefully uh tomorrow morning i can impress him as we are about uh, three four training days out of heading uh, to russia Nice. And so who is this guest there, uh, Mike? A uh, special guest we have on today. He is a Canadian champion, five-time world team member, uh, 2000, or 2000, 1992 <laughs> Olympian, uh, 15 years as the Skate Canada High Performance Director. Please welcome on to the show, Michael Slipchuk. How's it going today, Mike? Yeah, I definitely feel older after hearing all that. That's for sure. <laughs> but uh, no, doing good. Uh, as Trent said, I just came back from Japan with uh, with Trent and Evelyn and the team there and uh, getting ready to see you tomorrow and then off with you guys to Russia next week. So um, yeah, the season's going fast. That's for sure. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for taking time out of your day for us. Uh, probably a little jet lag. I think you guys just landed uh, pretty late last night, eh? Yeah, it was a it was an interesting week. Uh, you know, as Trent said, it was a well-run event, but uh, Japan runs in a bubble, and so it was uh, it was a long eight days, a long eight days to be in a hotel in a rink, and and it was a long trip back yesterday. But uh, but just good to be back. Uh, I think for all you guys to be back competing and and kind of back to a bit more normalcy in the skating world, it's been a great thing this year. Yeah, that bubble is always tough, but it's even tougher when you're in one of the nicest cities uh, in the world. Makes it that much harder. Well, that's for that's for sure. We couldn't really see anything and missed out on on uh, some great great sushi and and great Japanese food. So yeah, when we were up at the so the breakfast area was up on the 44th floor. Well, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, all the food was up on the 44th floor, and the whole time you're just looking outside at the city at night. It looks even better, and during the day you can see Mount Fiji is just not fair. <laughs> I'm glad the competition ran and was able to do that. That was very good. And along with what, how many tests did we have? Seven tests over seven days, Mike? Almost. Yeah, we had to do, we had to do what, three, three tests once we got there over three days, uh, one before we left and then the PCR to leave with. So yeah. So what, five, five tests there plus the one to get into Japan. So a lot, but, uh, that that's the way you got to do it to run a, to run a safe event in that environment. So part yeah. of the, part of the process. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Mike, you know, 
you are the high performance director of Skate Canada, but we're going to touch on that in Bic. We actually want to go back to your skating career because, as Mike said, you were a Canadian champion and as well an Olympian and world team member. So, you know, how was it? You trained alongside um, two of the uh, most iconic uh, skaters, especially one of them in Canadian history, Kurt Browning and uh, Christy Yamaguchi. So, you know, at that time, that was probably one of the best, if not the best, training center in the world. How was that? Well, I, yeah, it was those those days of the Glenora Club, probably from about, uh, I would say from about 1984 through when when I retired in 92, but almost almost all the way to about 2002 was uh, was was a pretty elite training area. But those years that I was there, we uh, we had a, we had a great group of skaters that we trained with. We had a lot of international skaters that came in and and for sure when Christy came uh, with her coach, Christy Ness in, in uh, 1989, for the three years leading into 92, just, just seeing skating with her training with her, you really see why, why she was a world and Olympic champion. That's for sure. And, and Kurt's Kurt, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I grew up with Kurt. We skated from the beginning and uh, you know uh, you know, I think we all pushed each other and, and I think it, uh, we pushed everyone in, in our, in our rink to be better, which was, I think a good thing for all of us from a training perspective. That's for sure. That's awesome. So, you know, you, you pushed each other and you did the atmosphere change a lot when Christy came to the rink or was it already kind of like that before? Like had the energy of the rink and the training center already sort of been set and she just added to it then you would say? Yeah. You know, we, we had a pretty, we had a pretty strong uh, group that was there uh, at that time, mostly just Canadian skaters, but we, uh, you know, we had, you know, Cameron Medhurst and the, and the cars from Australia that skated a lot of years with us. Anna set Torplin from, uh, from Denmark that trained with us and was, was an Olympian also. And, you know, when Christy came, it just kind of added, you know, it just added another kind of a training piece to our environment. And, and you know, she, she was such a dedicated uh, trainer uh, on ice, off ice. You know, she, uh, <laughs> you know, when, you know, she stuck to a schedule, not like all of us would be sometimes, but, uh, you know, she uh, just, just seeing how she trained and how she worked, I think uh, was just good, good for us to, you know, to train with. And, and as I said, it, it made our environment uh, good, but we had a lot of fun. And uh, and I think what was interesting during that time is, is we had a lot of people come in the summer, plan to move to come and skate at our, uh, you know, the Glenora Club over those years. And they would learn hard and fast when they got in that they weren't the best ones in the rink. And and uh, a lot of times they didn't last long because it just wasn't, you know, the environment was very competitive, uh, but a positive competitive that, uh, you know, some people didn't really fit well into that environment but uh most of us that were there we we had a great group and all still very close to this day which is great nice in uh 1987 you won uh, the bronze medal at the national championships uh, solidifying yourself as uh, one of the favorites leading into the 1988 games after uh failing to reach those games the following year how did you deal with that failure and how did you bounce back to win four consecutive uh, medals at the Canadian Championships and ultimately earn your spot on the 1992 uh, Olympic team? Well, yeah, 87 was a real was a real turning point. And to be honest, when I when I went to Canadians in 87, that was my first year senior. Uh, my goal was just to try to make the team to go to World University Games. That's what I was aiming for. And going into the long program, I think I was fifth after the short. Uh, we did figures back then, too. So I think I was fifth. And uh, the person I had to beat was in 10th. So I thought I was in good shape to go to World University Games and had a good free program and uh, another skater didn't. And I ended up coming third. And so, you know, it was great to go to that Worlds in 87. That was the, the year Brian won the World Championship. And I always say to this day, I felt like I was in a different event than him because I was skating a lot earlier than he was. But, um, <laughs> but I think it, it fast-tracked. I, I really going to Olympics was kind of a was a, a goal in the distance, and then it was all of a sudden I, it kind of became in the forefront. And I and I really found uh, that year of uh, the eighty seven eighty eight year hard. I just uh, I found I just never really kind of got got on track. I had a lot of ups and downs, and uh, uh, didn't skated not bad at nationals, but uh, you know definitely I wasn't wasn't among the top three. But I really think I think that that uh, took a load off my shoulders after not making that team. And at that point, I just kind of made the decision that the next four years I was going to do everything I could to make sure I was on that team in 92. And and, you know, I was fortunate to to do the three worlds during that period and, and be on the Canadian podium. And and, uh, you know, I think that just 
you know, just that motivation to really get back to that opportunity, I think was huge. And that was, that was the goal for four seasons is trying to get, trying to get on that Olympic team in 92. So glad it worked out. That's for sure. That's pretty awesome. You know, when you said that you felt like you were not in the same event as Brian at my first worlds, um, when we were in Saitama, uh, that's how I felt when I watched Sui and Han in the long program, there were like two, I think there were two groups after me, but I could, did not feel like I was watching the same event. Yeah. Yeah. I always say I was off the ice, showered and changed before I think Brian entered the rink that day. But, uh, but again, it was, you know, to do a world championship with, with Brian and with uh, Tracy Wilson, Rob McCall and Liz Manley and uh, Lyndon Johnson, Doug Madre, you know, the list goes on. It was, you know, it was, I think good for us to, to be there with that group to really see how, how they, how they were team Canada and, and just the, pride and importance of being on that team and what it meant to be on on that world team you know I think that that was a huge part I think for us as we really built and carried on that tradition uh post 88 uh for our group through 92 and and beyond and I was I always felt that was a real strong identity of Canada is is we were always always a good team we all competed against each other but we were we were there as a team and they're supportive of each other and and uh just having that chance to be there with with especially Brian, Rob, and Tracy, you really learned that. And, uh, you know, I, I was glad that I was able to be part of a group that really carried that on moving forward over the next four four years and onwards. That's amazing. And you can tell, too, for people who don't see it, we get to see you at competitions all the time. You can tell you're still very close friends with all those people you trained with and were on Team Canada before. You guys are all still involved, and you sound like you haven't skipped a beat. No, the, you know what, and you guys will know this too. The skating world is very small and uh, you cannot see someone for 15 years and it was like it was yesterday. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's probably the, the best part about uh, coming through this sport is, is the friendships you made and you're right. It's, uh, you know, it's ironic. A lot of us are, are still there. Like, you know, Lee, Lee Barkell and uh, his wife, Mel and I, we all won junior the same year. Um, and so, you know, we've, you know, we've been through this a long time and, and, uh, you know, a lot of the coaches that, uh, that we deal with that are your coaches, you know, we've, we all kind of, we all kind of grew up or grew up through the system together. So, you know, it's, it's been good to, I think, to have that and, and just to build, uh, just to have, just to know what, you know, the personalities and the people that you're working with, I think helps a lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, now I want to go back for a second. And so in, in 19, I think it was, was it Kurtland the quad in what, what year did Kurtland his quad 88. toe? 88, 88, worlds. 88 yeah. worlds. So how was that? You know, that was a revolutionary thing of our entire sport. How was that training with that? Like, cause you would have seen it before, right? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I, I think what, what happened then is, is, uh, you know, when, when Kurt started, you know, Kurt obviously did, uh, up to triple lots, we were kind of off and on who would do it first, but when we got to triple axel, he definitely did it first. Um, but you know, when, when you were seeing it in the rink every day, it, it became not, as impossible as it seemed and so that just you know i think that's what drove a lot of us is you know uh, you know you needed a triple axle back in that that day and i uh, you know you had to get that and then the next step was well let's work on quads and you know and that's that's just kind of was part of part of our landscape there is nothing seemed impossible and if you saw someone else doing it there really wasn't a reason why you couldn't learn it or try it also so honestly we you know, I, I started, uh, I started working on quads more just as just, you know, something fun to do. We used to play a game called elimination where you would, you know, you started double axle and work through all the jumps and, you know, we would usually get up to triple axle and then we would, you know, do triple, triple. And then we were kind of out of jumps. So we went on to quad and, uh, it was through that game one night, I landed my first quad on it and I won that day, which was good. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of how we learned it. Um, I only ever tried it once in competition. I tried it at Olympics and it was close. Uh, but you know, it, it, it was one of those that it, everything had to be right. I had to be in the best shape. I had, everything had to be firing for it to work, but, um, you know, I think I landed my first one around nine, 1990-ish, 90, or yeah, I would have been about 1990. So, you know, it was, uh, as I said, it, it, it helped that you could see it every day. And, and I, and it just pushed the, it just pushed everyone to kind of learn stuff. And I think not only myself, but other skaters, I think a lot of our, a lot of the, especially the men that we skated with, I think, I think technically, uh, learned a lot more stuff than they might not have in another environment. So I think it, I think we all fed off it for sure. 
How was your uh, transition out of sport, Mike? I know right now it's a, it's a hot topic. There's tons of outlets and tons of material to help us uh, through that transition out of sport. But uh, back when you made that transition, I don't think uh, there was uh, any uh, information or uh, much on the topic. So how did you deal with uh, stepping away from skating post-competition? Uh, uh, well, you know, and I, I, I came through a time where we really didn't, you know, in high school, you didn't really take time off school to skate. So I, I went through, I think in grade 12, I might've done half days for one semester and then full for the second. But, you know, I went into, into university right after, right out of high school. Um, I did like part-time. So I was going to school, but I did stop university for the two years leading into Elberville just to train. And so, um, you know, when I did finish, I honestly, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I never, I never really thought of shows or anything like that. I was fortunate to do two years of Stars on Ice, which was, which was a great opportunity. And, uh, and then I just, um, you know, uh, my coach was Jan Allmark and, and, uh, you know, our, our plan always was, I would, I would stay amateur until I've, till, till we felt I've gone as far as I did. So I, I pretty much knew when I won Canadians, uh, that that was probably it for me for that year. So I had to make the re the best of the rest of that season. And, and, uh, and I did, I did bring up in a conversation one day that maybe I should stay two more years till Aubrey, or till uh, Lilyhammer because it was only a two year gap between Olympics. And I can't say on the show what Jan actually said to me, but uh, the, the nuts <laughs> and bolts of it is you're not going to beat Elvis and Kurt again. And he was right. So uh, I was ready to move on. And I actually just, I went back to, went back to university to, uh, I was in education I, and I coached a bit and I also took a job with the Alberta government, uh, the, the, the Alberta Sport Council was at the time. And I was doing that for, for about three years uh, until I moved to Calgary and took the coaching job at the Glencoe Club and then was there for 12 years after that. That's super cool. And also like for our listeners, they don't know when you, before with skating, if you went from amateur to pro, you also can, like it actually means something very like we don't really have amateur or pro status as much anymore in skating. So that meant you couldn't, you, cause you couldn't coach back then, right? If you were an amateur, was that still a rule then? Yeah. If, if you could, it was so limited on what you could do. So no, I, I just, I, I coached a bit for the three years in Edmonton or yeah, the Glenora just more to kind of help with you on Cynthia, Christy Ness. And I was just more of a, like kind of a, just a helper coach. Uh, again, I didn't really have an intention of really doing it full time. And then it wasn't until uh, the opportunity came to move to Calgary to the Glencoe Club and, and lead their program there that I made the decision that, uh, you know, I think that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, I found by going to university and I, and I was doing education, so I was doing student teaching. I just, I just realized that the world I know is skating. And I was just used to that um, lifestyle in the sense of, of how the day is and, and just what, what all encompasses in the world of skating with, with competitions and crazy hours and all that. And so I just felt that, uh, you know, I felt I would just go to Calgary and make a, make a go of it and see how that worked. And as I said, it was probably the best move I, I made at that time. And it was uh, 12 great years in Calgary. That's for sure. So you're in Calgary for 12 years. And then how did you actually get you uh, as you are now lead into being the high performance director of skate Canada? Uh, I, um, I started uh, when the judging system changed over to the system we're in now. Uh, I was in the, the kind of the, the big wave of tech specials that, that, uh, that went through the training to be a tech specialist. So I became an ISU single pairs uh, specialist in 2004. And uh, uh, so I was kind of back on the international scene. Now I had a skater kind of late 90s, early 2000s that was on the junior Grand Prix circuit. So I, I was out a bit. But I was really a, kind of out of touch with Skate Canada. I didn't have, you know, I had kids at nationals, but I wasn't really big on the international scene. So I kind of wasn't involved a lot at that point. And when I became a tech specialist, I was more involved in it because you, you got to see the team that was there and, and kind of get a sense of, of how things were, were, were at at Skate Canada. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, I did that for three years and, uh, you know, did a couple of world championships, did, did the ladies panel in 2006. And it was after 2006 Olympics that Skate Canada made a lot of changes. And uh, they, uh, they were kind of rebuilding the high performance department. Uh, William Thompson uh, was coming in as, as CEO. So, um, you know, had some discussions with him and, and, and with some of the coaches. And honestly, I had no intention ever of moving into this, into this role. It wasn't even on my radar. 
but uh, the more I thought about it and, and, you know, talked to my peers in the coaching world, just to make sure that, that I was, I was on the same page of, of what they thought we needed to do at Skate Canada. Um, you know, I was fortunate that I was offered the position and, and uh, I had to finish coaching that season in, in Calgary, but I started uh, at Worlds in 2007. That was my first event and, and been there since. So again, just kind of, opportunity came up it wasn't something I was looking for uh, but the more I thought about it I really was intrigued by it and you know I just thought it was uh, a great opportunity to kind of give back uh, to everything that I got through Skate Canada. What does that job uh, entail uh, now in 2021 and also back then in 2006 did it look different uh, what were you doing as the high performance director? So uh, um, I'd say it's, it's different, it's evolved a lot, but uh, like when I walked in into this job, like we were just, um, you know, OTP was uh, on the podium was, was just kind of starting at that time. And so my, one of my first meetings I had was, was with uh, the, you know, our IST team that we have now it was called the PET team there. And, you know, I met our physiologists and our uh, sports psychologists, all these people. And I had no idea what this was all about. I, you know, the sports science side was so new. And so I, I kind of, you know, I kind of inherited a, a group and a direction we had to move. And, and uh, you know, I, I had a lot of learnings at the start because at the time I was looking after junior and senior. And, uh, you know, I am, you know, we were in a bit of a transition at that time. Jeff, that was at the start, Jeff had, had won Worlds a year in, uh, but then he retired. And, you know, the next wave was coming up with Patrick, Testa, Scott, Joni, that group was starting to, uh, uh, Bryce and Jess were, were moving forward. So, you know, there was, there was a lot of learnings on, on how, on how we, you know, on how we build, uh, you know, through on the podium and, and, and use their concepts, which we use to this day. And, uh, there was a lot of learnings, a lot of, a lot of trial and error. Uh, we did, I did some stuff. Well, I made mistakes along the way, but, uh, you know, I always find whatever, whatever mistakes you make, you got to learn from them and, and do better, uh, you know, and correct them for the next time. So, you know, definitely was a, a, a growing period, but, you know, it, it did help that we had a, a pretty strong base and a lot of you guys were juniors at that time uh, that were just coming up. So we, we had a lot of strong skaters. And so that did make, you know, what we had to do, uh, I think, uh, easier and, and uh, you know, it gave the opportunity to kind of see where you guys have developed since that time when we started back in 2007. That's awesome. So for our listeners, like, would you say like the best way to describe it is you're just trying to help develop the skaters through competitions and see people or uh, like talent ID? Like, how is the best way to describe it to a um, non not a non-person in the sport, but somebody who's not uh, actually competing in the sport? Yeah, the best way I put it is I always say I'm a manager. Um, my job is to manage the high performance program and to to make sure that that not only you the you guys as athletes but your coaches you have all the resources you got they need and you guys need to get to where you got to get to and so you know our you know I always felt and I and again I learned this early my job's not to coach uh, I'm not a coach anymore and 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 uh, and you know I'll help if I have to but I I don't tend to do that but that's up to your coaches and I you know I did find when I came on I uh, my sense was the coaches didn't feel they were supported. A, a well by skate Canada and uh, maybe we're in a sense feeling they were being told what to do and definitely from coming from coaching I that's not the way I would I would work uh, we have we have some of the best coaches in the world so who am I to come in and and you know tell them how to do their job but I, I find it's more it's more just to provide all the services and and the people that they need to help help themselves uh, you know learn and uh for the athletes to develop so that's that's the best way i would put it as a manager after having uh, so much sex success yourself uh, as an athlete as a coach uh, going to the games did all these experiences that you had uh, prior to this job help uh, help you step into this job and lead uh, some of the best uh, generations of canadian uh, skating history i guess yeah, I, you know, um, I was fortunate that I, you know, I competed at 92 Olympics. Um, in, in 94, I worked with the, the COC, the Canadian Olympic Committee. I was part of the uh, village team. So I worked in the Hammer Village where figure skating was. Um, in 98, I was actually the media person for the COC. And my, my uh, 
main sport was uh, figure skating and snowboarding, believe it or not, which we had some excitement in snowboarding that year. Um, and then, and then in uh, 2006, I was, uh, you know, a technical official and judge. So, you know, I, I was able to see um, Olympics from three different angles, from competing at it, from working, working as administrative staff to media, to judging. And so, you know, I do think when we were moving into Vancouver in 2010, which was a huge games at home, having that experience of, of being there, of, of kind of being, having an understanding of games helps and of games from different angles. And, uh, you know, we always made it a kind of a, a priority to make sure that when we're sending teams to Olympics, we're sending people that in the support roles that have experience or have experience in, in multi-games things. So, uh, so it's a lot easier for you guys. You guys can just focus on your job and everything is taken care of. But uh, I, I do think the past experiences has helped a lot in, in the past couple of years, that's for sure. That's super cool. I didn't know any of that, Mike. Like you, I, I didn't realize you were that involved with the games and other other things before. Yeah, I honestly, I um, I was lucky. Uh, you know, I was approached by the COC for for '94, but '98 games, I had I had no intention of going. And they um, uh, at the time that year, for whatever reason, Skate Canada decided not to send a media person to the games. And you know, Elvis was going for gold. Shaylin and Victor were there, and they felt they needed a media person. So I, they contacted me in August of that Olympic year and asked if I'd be interested in, in doing the media. And, you know, I was honest, I don't know really much about it, but if you, if you tell me how to do, how to do it, I'll, I'd, be, I'd be happy to go. So, you know, I had good, uh, good mentors there from the, from the, the media press world. Uh, and I, and again, I learned a lot on that side and some friendships to this day on the media side that I think, uh, have been great to have, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, I always say an opportunity comes and you got to take the most of it. Cause you just never know. That's for sure. You could have been the, if they had Twitter back then, you could have been the, the first live tweeter of all the events and everything, Mike. <laughs> and here's dating myself. When I went to the, when I went to 98 games, I think that was the first time I had an email address. <laughs> and, and I, and I remember someone from home, they sent me an attachment of a flag and I had no idea how to open up, like, like, how do you open this thing up? I had to email back, like, you know, cause it never, I we didn't really use computers much. And my cell phone was a huge cell phone. Like it was one of the big ones. Like, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it definitely times have changed. <clears throat> times have changed very fast. That's for sure. That's awesome. So, you know, Mike and I have both been through it kind of with you. Like you said, we were both in junior, um, and now to the senior ranks with it, you know, what's, um, uh, something that you've noticed or have have seen or tried to do or tried to, I guess, the, the ID with people that go from the junior level to the senior level and either do well or is there something that you see with the, the juniors who move up into the ranks or even some of them who come, not everybody just comes out in junior, they do well in senior, but is there something that all these athletes kind of share or you see early on or anything or? Uh, no, you know what? <laughs> You know, and you guys know from coming through, there's a lot of skaters that you guys competed with and traveled with all those years. And, and uh, you know, there, there were times where, you know, I, I look at uh, back at junior dances, we had, we, had a, we had a whole group that was there for many years with uh, Maddie and uh, Zaukai and Junior and Garrett and McKenzie and, uh, and uh, uh, oh, uh, the Lumboy and, uh, and a few of them. And, and even Shane was there. And, uh, out of that whole group, I think the only one left is Shane Furious, right? So you you never know where where people are going to evolve to. And, and again, people left for various reasons, school um, injuries, whatever, and 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 definitely would not stand in the way of that. But I, I think the biggest thing when people transition to senior, and I and I think especially to a Grand Prix, is just um, you know just to be realistic with them of what what's ahead. Uh, you know, I find in in some disciplines the transition is a little better but i know with men when we've when our men have transitioned in some of the young ones and i know when elage came to his first uh his first skate canada and then liam the next year after and you know you, you kind of hate to tell them that they're probably going to be at the bottom but that's just where they were and and when sure enough skated well and that's where you are it's kind of like this is where you start from so again uh great to see where where people went from there and you know liam ended up being on an olympic team in 2014 so you know, I think it's just keeping expectations in check and, and letting, letting the skaters develop. Everyone develops at a different speed. 
and uh, you got to start somewhere. And as long as there's positive progress moving forward, I think that's, that's all we can ask for. That's for sure. Yeah, I remember. Uh, so my, fr- I did one of those like your the youth national development camps or whatever. I think that's what it was called then. And my in my year, from the people that are left, um, uh, the year I went, it had like Caitlin, Gabby, Nam, Roman, and I think the only other two people who are skating from there is Haley, who is now in ice dance. Yeah. Um, and Nick Nadeau, who is now doing pair, I think. Yep. And I think that's it. Everybody, um, anybody else? Yeah, that's it. And there, our group was like 30 and I was like, oh, Bennett's still skating too. Bennett was there. And I was by far the worst skater. Not to say that's like, but I was by far the worst <laughs> skater there. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was the old national development camps at Angus Glen. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. And I, you know, and again, um, it's interesting to look at that, that cross section of, of athletes, as you said, there is is, you know, you, you transferred into pairs, Haley transferred into dance, uh, you know, Caitlin became a, a world champion. You just never know, uh, you know, where people are going to come from, but it, it's, it, it was good to see where a lot of those skaters that, that, uh, that started that pan, uh, camp and actually Shane Furious was there as a single skater one year too, I think, uh, one of the earlier years he was there in singles. Um, but, uh, you know, the purpose of that camp was just just to keep, you know, to see where people are. And it's always great to see where people kind of navigate in, in this sport. Cause not everyone's going to be a single skater, but you know, we got pairs, we got dance, we got synchro and there's, there's areas that people can, can move to that, that uh, they, that may be their, their niche of where they can find the success. So that's always for us a good thing to see that people have stayed in and, and have found where, where, where they've been most successful, which is great. Uh, what was it like leading, managing the one of the greatest, or we'll say biasly or even not biasly, the uh, greatest figure skating team of all time in 2018? What was it like uh, being a part of that? I was standing board side. It was uh, a pretty special moment. Uh, how was that for you after putting uh, years into that team, watching uh, all of that unfold in uh, 2018? Uh, well, you know what, I, um, I, I don't think we, we could have asked for anything more out of that games if we tried uh, to walk out of there with four medals. I exceeded what, you know, the, we'd hoped for three, uh, but coming out with, with four was exceeding what we did. And, you know, it's, there's no secret, winning the team gold was huge. Uh, that's what we were set out to do. Um, you know, how that team evolved is, is you know, after 2014, Patrick uh, stepped away for a year. Tessa Scott stepped away for two years. Um, you know, during those years, uh, Megan and Eric became two-time world champions. Caitlin and Andrew were multi-world medalists. And, and Caitlin was making her move up. And, uh, you know, as, as we started to get get close to 2018 and, and you know, Patrick came back in, in 16 and Tessa Scott came back in, in, well, 15 and 16 when they came back. Um, you know, we knew we had the pieces there and I, and I, and I do think what, what made that team special and Mike, you were, you were there as part of that team is, is, you know, they, they all did it for, for each other. And, uh, there really wasn't, um, there really wasn't much for us to do than just to make sure that, uh, you know, like I've said before, whatever we need to do to put everyone in the best position to be successful, uh, at Olympics, that's what we were there to do. But, you know, I, you know, I, I think a lot of that, and, and especially in the team event, that group was together a long time, some of them over 10 years. And, uh, you know, they, they, were, they were in it together. There was nothing for us to say. And, and if anything, we were a bit on the, just on, on the sides and, and kind of enjoying the ride. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of felt that at, at the whole games. It's, uh, you know, the, it's just nice to see for everyone in the game. We, we had medalists, but we had a lot of skaters that had personal best performances that that's what that's what you're there to do and uh you know and and some of them those their personal bests ended up being medals so it uh it was an incredible uh uh time it was a uh, you know it was a, a great games um and i and i think if anything it just was great to see that uh, those athletes that have that have been such a big part of skate canada have the success they did because it would be a different story if that games had not been the same result and, uh, but we don't have to look at that because it was, it was the right result. So that's the good thing. 
I uh, I may have seen a pretty awesome photo of you wearing uh, all the gold medals around your neck, <laughs> yes. all, all eight medals of on your ne- eight medals, however many medals it was on your neck. That's pretty m- must have been pretty heavy to have those all around your neck at once, eh? Yeah, and, and I'll be honest, I I don't often I, I kind of stay away from that uh, that stuff. I you know I, I always find uh, you know for for everyone the successes that that you guys have that and our team has they're their successes. They're not ours. Uh, it's great to be there. It's great to, to see it, but you know, the work was done by, by the athletes and the coaches. And I was fortunate to go to the medal ceremony and I actually was able to uh, get a, get a pass to be back, uh, back with the team for, for the medal thing. So it was, yeah, it was after the medal ceremony. I just was back there. And uh, I think, yeah, it was Tessa. Uh, Tessa came and she had her medal and she, she put it over me. And then after one, after another, they all put their medals, you know, on top, which was, was, uh, was kind of cool. And uh you know, uh, you don't you don't often get a chance to wear a medal. You had six of them, which was kind of kind of neat. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was um, you know it was it was nice. I, it was I was uh, it was nice gesture on their part, but and a great photo. So definitely one one photo I'll, I'll always keep. But uh, as I said, it's uh, uh, them as a team. They're the ones that did it, and uh, we we were just uh, we were fortunate to be there and be along for the ride, which was great. That's awesome. Well, I, I definitely have to think that uh, Skate Canada and all the us athletes are very fortunate that you are uh, in the position you are, Mike. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, let's hope. <laughs> yeah. Outside of that uh, 28 team, is there any other uh, highlights or standout moments uh, over the past 15 years of the job? Um. Yeah. Well, you know, I definitely have to say. Um, uh, I think 2008 Worlds, 2008 Worlds was to me a real, a turning point for our team. Uh, you know, Jeff winning a world title, Tessa Scott uh, at their, you know, at their second world championship and Bryce and Jess third in Paris. And uh, Joanie, I think that was her first world. She was top five. And uh, you think then Patrick was ninth, ninth or 10th there. But, you know, I just, um, you know, Jeff had had an, had an up and down year. He, he got beat by um, by Patrick at Canadians, and and I remember he was sick. I think that year for the final, but you know he um you know he you know he he was behind at Canadians, and he was just one of those. Like I, I remember going in to see him for monitoring a couple of days before we left, and you know was wasn't wasn't uh, you know it was a bit up and down, and the day after that monitoring, I remember Lee said he's just been on fire. He hasn't missed anything, and. It was one of those, the first practice, it was like 1130 at night. Uh, it was a late practice and they were just going to do some stroking and do some parts. And he came out and he pretty much did a full long. And when he finished that program, we just looked at each other and we're like, he's going to win this week. And, uh, you know, sure enough. And, you know, there, you know, that to me was, um, you know, someone like Jeff that gave so much uh, was such a big part of that group in, in the 2000s to see him win a world title, uh, was something else. And, uh, you know, I would say definitely Joni in, in 2010, um, you know, goodness, goodness, uh, good Lord, who could, who could go through, do that and still do what she did. Um, yeah, that was remarkable. And, uh, yeah, Tessa Scott winning their first title, but, you know, I think there was a lot along the way, you know, it was great seeing everyone win their first title, Patrick, uh, Megan and Eric, um, Caitlin and Andrew being also close, uh, and then Kaylin Osmond in, in 18, like, you know, she wasn't in a real position to win that. And her name just kept climbing after every skater, her, she wasn't dropping down. And so, you know, definitely those are them, but I, I often, you know, say a lot of times it's, it's those skaters that help us secure spots, you know, uh, you know, last year at worlds, Keegan getting a, a sixth place to get us two men. That was huge. You know, the opportunity to get two men. Um, you know, and, you know, I think there, there goes, there's a lot along the way. I think in, uh, 2017 worlds, uh, Megan and Eric didn't have a good worlds and it was Luboff and Dylan that helped keep the three spots, which I know for Mike, you guys were happy we were there. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, there's a lot and, you know, would you, you know, we've had a few junior world champions, you know, uh, when Nam won and you look at that podium, that was Nam, Shoma and Nathan, uh, at that junior worlds and, even as far back as uh, uh, Andre Rogazine, he had to beat Keegan, who, <laughs> who at the time, you know, Keegan was on the opposition, and now he's on our team. But um, yeah, there, there was, there's been a lot. There's been a lot of, of, 
of uh, you know great moments and and more to come. And it's just it's just great to see yeah you know any any athletes on our team you know exceed what their expectations are and on a big stage and international is a big stage so there's lots lots of highlights and and uh always looking forward to the next one that's for sure any uh last minute tips for the two of us and the rest of the the team mike as uh, we head into the rest of the season yeah you know what i always, I always say olympic year is 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 an anomaly um and especially in this this one's a bit different too because we missed a season um and we're leading we're leading into a games that's going to be nothing like any games we've ever done uh in a sense that it's 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 going to be very restrictive it's uh you know you're not you're not going to have the luxury to you know to to be to be an olympian where i know mike and the pair guys always enjoyed this but uh you know to, to go see other sports and and enjoy that part of the Olympics. Um, it's going to be different. It'll be different from those that have been before and those that are new, they won't know much different, but you know, I, I'm a believer that once you get there, it's going to be good. But, uh, but I always find, you know, you, you hear so much about it that sometimes you just have to focus on, on the now and what you need to get ready for the next event ahead of you and uh, not look too far ahead. And uh, you know, uh, as you said earlier, Trent, there's there's good and bad out of every event and you got to continue to build on on the stuff that needs some work and uh fine-tune the rest and and you know i think mike and kirsten next week's a good opportunity opportunity for you guys to go out and show what you guys do and uh you know you never want to have have uh you know events like like you had early in the season but that's part of the sport and you know i I think I've said it to you guys and i've said it to a lot of our team it's where you are at the end of the year that counts and so that's what we got to keep in mind and uh Anything along the way that helps build, that's what we got to do. But, uh, you know, I hope we do everything we can on our side to deflect the the Olympic chatter because it, it can get distracting. And so that's always my message on that is, is just, you know, stay in the now and just control what you can and, and just continue to, to get ready. So uh, if the opportunity is there, you're ready to go. Thank you. Thank you. That's excellent personal advice for me and Trent and just excellent general advice for anybody out there listening. Uh, we have the Ice Lab Book Club. Uh, do you have any book recommendations that you can uh, offer up? Uh, actually, you know, the one the one I'm going to read and it's just because I I saw the documentary on the plane is Kitchen Confidential with Anthony Bourdain. So I, they had a documentary on Air Canada that I watched that on, on one of the last trips over. And, he, you know, he had the, the chef on the CNN show. So it's a high rated book. I, I have it. I just haven't started reading it yet. But that's kind of one. But honestly, I if I'm reading anything, honestly, it's usually kind of William Patterson, you know, the Alex Cross books and just things that, you know, just mindless, mindless stuff just to just to have something to read. But uh, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to reading that one. I think that will be a. Uh, I go on, but I have nothing motivational or or or, <laughs> or any anything like that. But uh, you know, probably the last book I read that was a skating book was Tallers. I nice. think when hell freezes over, I'll bring my skates. I did enjoy that book. That was yeah. very good. Yeah, and if you knew Taller, you would really appreciate it. So that that from a skating one, I still think that that one still makes me laugh when I read it. It's very it's a good read. But uh, yeah, nothing more than that. That's that's kind of the one I'm I'm gonna read, and uh, we'll see where that one goes. Perfect, cool. All right, so now we're gonna hit you with some rapid fire questions. So, all right, you ready? Yep. What is your favorite sport to watch? I would say hockey. Who is your favorite? Who was your favorite teammate to travel with while you were competing? Uh, well, I, I, I would say Doug Ledrain. Cool. And well, we had a good group then like Doug, Herbie, Kurt, we, we always, we we're kind of all room together. So that was our, that was a good era. We had fun. That was your bromance, Doug Ledrain. Yeah, that was my bro. Yeah. <laughs> um, who is your, who is one of your favorite athletes to travel with as the high performance director? Uh, uh, who, who am I going to say here? <laughs> <laughs> Not Nam after last week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I would say there's, you know, every everyone is 
everyone's good. I don't have, I, I wouldn't single out anyone. I think, uh, you know, our team is a very easygoing uh, group to work with. So, you know, I, I think uh, you guys lead by example. And when new people come on the team, they just follow along. So I, I, I can't single out one person. I, I, I think everyone that we have on the road is good. Everybody did a good job uh, in Japan, getting to the buses, making sure they were at the airports on time. So that was nice to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trent, Trent got his jail, get out of jail free card on that one. So yeah, he made the bus on that one. I guess there was nowhere to go. I, so. I, I missed, <laughs> I missed the I bus. Know. I still made it to the airport, and I'm tons of time for my flight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and the bus was at two o'clock and there was nowhere to go so uh um, but uh yeah making the bus is always good and if you, you only have to miss it once and we've had many miss it as long as you get on your plane home that's all that matters <laughs> otherwise it's a long trip back nowadays <laughs> <laughs> from anywhere uh what is your least favorite pizza topping least favorite uh olives well yeah good call yeah olives cool. Sorry, Mike. I know the Italian in you doesn't <laughs> like to hear that. <laughs> yeah, black olive, black. I'll have green olive, black olives. I don't like. No. Ugh. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite airport? You've traveled a lot, so I think you've probably been to almost every airport there is. Um. Goodness. Uh, you know the the Japan airports are great. Clean. The lounges are better there. Is that what it is, or just the way the organizer? I, I don't know if I can say this. Yeah, and they have the great beer machine in the lounge. There. <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all pouring machine. Um, no, I, I, I Japan. I, I like Japan. I just it's uh, airports are clean and easy to get around. I, I find it's a, it's an e it's an easy airport to navigate. That's for sure. And especially, <clears throat> sorry, right now there's no one in it. So we found that coming back, it's like empty. It's like a ghost town. Yeah, it was so, really, uh, really, really crazy. Get through customs and everything, and they have the uh, they have the face identity passport. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. When we yeah, went through, I've on... never seen before. It's great. Yeah, yeah. You so... just went on your way back through, Mike. You just literally like put your passport in, and it took a photo of your face, and that was your customs done. Oh, sick. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was really good. So yeah, I would say Tokyo, both Haneda and Narita, good airports. What is your favorite plane or uh, airline? Uh, uh, <laughs> I say that I think it's the three, the 380 Thai airlines. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. yeah the, the Thai airlines. I, I, is a great airline. Uh, you know, great service, great meals. If you like Thai food, it's wonderful. Um, but I, I, Thai, I do like, I, I do like Thai airlines. Yeah. I don't fly it often, but when I do, I do enjoy it whenever I can. I'll, I'll, I'll get on one. Is that one of the ones that has the lay down, like the rooms, the the lay down beds that you can? In no, first it has uh, on the. It's a two level, and the second level they have. It, it's like a, it's like a half business, half economy on the second level, and on the bottom, it's it's massive. It's a massive plane. Oh. And, uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, I I just like the service on Thai. They're great. Really good. Awesome. Uh, what is your favorite arena you've been in slash competition location? Oh, oh boy. I got to be biased. Edmonton, the new rink in Edmonton. Yeah. I know we haven't had a competition there. I've been in it. <laughs> uh, but competition rink anywhere in the world? Yep. Anywhere. anywhere. Oh, God. Uh, you know what? I, I would say probably the, the neatest one was Boston Garden. That would be sick. Yeah. And, and, it, and, 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 uh, I thought it was it was cool to be in there just to see the history of that rink, all the banners up in the roof, and 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 we got a chance to go into the in the Bruins dress room and we saw the logo. Whereas the Celtics room was the ISU office and the table was right on top of the logo. We're in the Boston one, you can't walk from it. But uh, yeah, I think going in Boston Garden was great. Mike, you were there too, right? Yeah, Boston was pretty cool. The uh, doping control was in the Bruins change room. I remember I was sitting in uh, in Chara's stall waiting. Uh, to give my sample in the doping control was, was extremely, extremely cool. Yeah. I would That's say that Boston. Yep. That's super dope. I wish I, I know you wouldn't like it, but I wouldn't mind there being one at Scotiabank arena one day. Did you freeze? Poor no. internet connection. Ooh, oh, can... we lost you, Trent. Okay. Give us a restart on that one. I said, uh, I know you, Mike wouldn't like it, but I think, uh, having one at the Scotiabank arena one day would be super sick. 
Uh, I, I would still enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not sure about that one. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I don't know if Slipchuck would like it as much. <laughs> <laughs> we can't get Saturday night to that ring. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, the it would have been cool to for the Montreal Worlds. The just even the practice day we had at the Bell Center was super sick. And then um, uh, we got the when we did California, uh, four continents. That was dope. That was my first time in an NHL rink, so that was sick. Yeah. When I when I think back, probably the the one the two rinks that I I was glad I had the opportunity to skate in. It was on Stars and Ice. Was maybe the old Maple Leaf Gardens. Mm, just sweet. how steep it was. Like it just you looked up and it went for miles and, and the, the original forum in Montreal, the, that was, it was just really cool to be in those two venues because, because of the history. So, you know, skating wise in a show, I, that was, that was, uh, that was great. I'll never spring, forget that. Spring chicken. You are Mike. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> right before the old clothes. And that, that wasn't, yeah, that I guess that was a long time ago now that I think about it. So, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast with us. You know, I've said it before, and it's not just to uh, suck up. We're very, very thankful from the athletes that have had you, will have you as our high performance director. You've done a lot since, like I said, since we've been in junior, and you can't thank you enough for that. So thanks for that, and thanks for jumping on with us. Yes, hey, you thanks. Know, it's a oh, sorry. Sorry, Mike. Yeah. I was just going to say thanks again. Thanks for everything you do and Skate Canada does for us. Thanks for taking an hour out of your day. Must be jet lagged after coming home from Japan just yesterday. So it's uh, it's much, much appreciated. Yeah. And I just want to say to you guys, it's a, it's a pleasure. Uh, uh, at times I feel it's like uh, it's a great job to have and it's great to be around uh, athletes. I enjoy that. And uh, congrats to you guys on these podcasts. I was, as I said, I was leafing through all the people you've, you've done. So good for you guys. Good to Thank see you. Thank you. One- it keeps you out of trouble. For an hour a week, at least. On <laughs> <laughs> a Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Mike. So uh, Ice Labbers get to work in your labs and... Peace and love and be kind to one another. This episode of the Ice Lab Podcast was produced by Trent Michaud and Michael Marinero. Music produced by Hugo Schwenard. If you haven't already, share with your friends and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at Ice Lab Podcast for more information and to stay up to date.